Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Jen Craven. Jen Craven is the author of Upmarket Women's Fiction, Where One Decision Changes Everything. The author of two historical fiction novels, Best Years of Your Life, is her debut contemporary work. She writes from Northwestern Pennsylvania, where she lives with her family. Let's dive into the pond and meet Jen. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Jen Craven. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad you are. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Well, I've been writing for a long time, actually, um, as a copywriter, so by profession. And I was doing that for the last probably 10 years and never really had my eye on fiction, to be honest. And but I've, I've been a longtime reader. I've, I mean, read my whole life and just absolutely love books. And something in the last like about three or four years was sort of like, I wonder if I could do that. You know, I'm reading so many books and, and I have this love of writing and I w wondered if they could kind of combine. So I got my start more in like a pro the professional sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the creative bug kind of bit and then it turned into turned into books. Okay. I love that because part of what I hear with the copywriting in particular, yes, it's a love of writing and it's a love of storytelling because copyright yes. work, when you're doing that well, it's about telling a story. It's about helping that other person who is either viewing that web page or uh, seeing the ad or what have you to feel seen and heard. So it's really being able to storytell yeah. too. Absolutely. I mean, obviously at the heart of copywriting is is sales, like you're trying to sell a product, whether it's, you know, anything, a consumer good, a service, anything, but you're right. Like you have to blend that creative storytelling to create that emotional appeal. And the same thing happens in fiction. You have to create some sort of emotion connection to make the reader want to keep going. So could we talk about that a little more? I love that you say that, like creating that emotional connection. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you do those kind of things when you when you're thinking about the copywriting and how did you start to transition that to your point into fiction? I think I just always try to ask myself, like, what would I want to know if it's copywriting? I'm like, OK, what would I want to know about this product or why do I need to have this product in my life. And that's what good copywriting is. It creates like a need that you didn't know you had. <laughs> Same thing with fiction, you know, like you, there's only so many stories out there. They're, they're continuously retold and, and the tropes, tropes are popular for a reason. People like reading tropes, you know? So, but it's always like, how can you put your own unique spin on it? Um, and so I think that was one of the things that I kept in mind. It's like, okay, you know, there's tons of college campus stories. There's tons of dark academia out there, you know, that kind of stuff. But what can I, what can I give that might be like a new kind of creative hook? Yes, I love that. I love that. And I know another facet of what you, because you've written in multiple genres, yes. but one facet of that is upmarket. Would you talk a little bit about that and how, how you, how that shows up in the writing? Definitely. So upmarket is kind of like this unique 
genre that sits somewhere between commercial fiction and literary fiction. So it blends the two really well, meaning that you've got that character driven, um, you know, development plus plot. Uh, and so it's really kind of also a lot of times referred to as book club fiction. So it's those types of stories that, you know, book clubs are interested in that create conversation that have, you know, elements throughout that, that could kind of, that make you want to talk that are kind of like, you know, spur some conversation, that kind of stuff. So um, that's what Upwork fiction is to me. I know it's kind of a little bit, a little bit of a gray area that authors are a little kind of like, I'm not sure what this means. And for readers, I don't even think they realize sometimes what genres are. I mean, the mainstream ones, yes, but the more obscure, maybe not. So um, yeah, so I would say that my books kind of sit in that, in that area. But you know, Jen, that really, to me, that lends itself to going back to the copywriting. You don't know that you need that until you saw the story and how you connected into that emotional pull. That's mm-hmm. that conversation. The copywriting is like the start That's- of the conversation for the for the audience on the other end right. to go, I am curious, it, can this help? Is this more? What can I learn and explore or delve into it? Which is what you're implying and suggesting really with upmarket in the sense that it's where the book has created like the start, the writer has created the start, but then the conversation can continue, not just from one reader saying, Hey, go read this book and let's talk about it. But a book club kind of thing where we literally sit down and have conversations. So that's really cool. I love how you've, how you've done, how you've blended all of that. And I think a lot of books in that genre too, either touch on something that's like timely in the culture or even some hot button issues um, that those are like conversation starters. That's what people like to talk about or debate or, you know, give their opinions on. So, um, so yeah. I think that's, that's really cool. So, but the first set of books you wrote were historical fiction. Right. I did. I started in historical, which I is a genre that I love to read. Um, And I thought that's where I would stay in terms of my writing and then my latest book, which just came out in August, was is a contemporary story. And when that idea came to me, I, it hit me so hard. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. This is where I want to be. This is like totally my, totally my lane, which again, I still love historical and who knows, maybe down the road, I'll write something else historical again. But um, I think it does take a couple books. And from what I've heard is that authors say it's usually like your third book is when you kind of find your sweet spot. And so that's totally what happened for me. (laughs) I love how you put that. You kind of have to find your book and you're right. But the thing is, is that you you have to start and you have to get through that first draft. You have to get through the second, the third, however many iterations it takes, plus getting it through all the wickets to hit publish and then talk about it and then be willing to do it again. So to your point, that's such a big accomplishment. And it also shows perseverance. What was it about historical fiction that drew you in? And then what helped you to kind of start to pivot to Mm -hmm. get to contemporary? The, the first thing I wrote, the first book was really like a family project. I did it for my family. Um, it's based on my great aunt. So it's kind of like a fictionalized biography in a way of her. And she led this amazing life. And, um, she contracted polio as a toddler in the 1920s, which was kind of almost like a death sentence at the time. And in terms of like longevity and, 
lifespan and, and ability. And she went on to do amazing things. She worked in Washington, DC and really kind of like broke a lot of barriers for women at that time, all with her handicap. And so that's kind of like, I was doing a lot of research during that time period and talking to my family and all of that. And then my second book, which was also historical was around the 1940s. And so I just kind of like love old stories and old time periods. Um, and like I said, that love is still there, but it was just an idea, you know, when an idea comes to a writer, I think it's hard to ignore. And it's one of those things where you're just kind of like, okay, I can either keep like trying to push this out of my brain or I got to do something with it. So for my third book, when the idea struck, you know, I was like, let's get some stuff done. And, and you're right. It was a complete pivot. But at that time I, I was still early enough where I didn't feel like it was like a major brand shift. I, I wasn't like some, you know, career established author yet that was all of a sudden doing a three, a 180 that would kind of like throw off my readers. I'm still young. I'm still new in this whole, you know, arena. And so I do think that I'm still kind of like finding my way. And with this book, I feel like this is where I'm going to stay. I love that. I love that so much. I love how, what you're demonstrating too, and talking about is that openness to let your curiosity and creativity be a guide. Yes. So, so let's talk about making that pivot. Mm-hmm. When you just said, okay, I, I have this new idea that just mm-hmm. won't stop talking to me, just won't yep. stop, you know, niggling. How did you set out to write it knowing that you were setting out in a different genre? Because you knew that it wasn't historical fiction yet. Right. You might not necessarily know what to call it yet in the genre. So how did you start making that sure. shift? Yeah. And not only that, though, not only switching genres, but this was the first time that I was going to take a stab at multi-POV, so writing multiple perspectives, and also first person, whereas my other two were third person. So it was literally a complete change, a complete shift, but it's just what felt right, and I had to really trust my gut, Um, and so that's what I did, and I just started writing, and I really tried to not overanalyze and not, you know, question myself, not compare to the other books. I just was kind of focusing on this one project and letting it go where it was going to go, not, you know, regardless of thinking, oh, but what it, or, or how does this look next to my others? I was kind of like, no, let's just, let's just give this all my energy. And I'm glad I did because it, I I'm so thrilled with how it turned out. Okay. And let's, let's go into some of this a bit more too, because I love that you said that you switched things, including like point of view, yeah. literally moving heads and moving between three heads and, yeah. and being in first person. That's I, so would you talk a little bit about that and how did that come together? Because I can think of a few ways where that might've shaped to get to the end result. So would you talk through that process in a little bit more detail? I really didn't have, uh, I didn't really ask myself like, okay, how should, which perspective should I write this book or, you know, which person, whatever. It just literally like came to me. And honestly, I don't know that that's like normal all the time. I don't know this one. The vision for this book just was very clear from the get-go for me. And I know that that might not be the case for a lot of writers and they might have to ask themselves a lot of those questions. And I've heard authors say like, oh, I'll maybe write the first chapter in third person and in first and see which one I like best. For me, it was just like clear that I wanted this to be like a very close first person um, in these characters' heads sort of thing. And I just, I just went with it and I was a plotter. I plotted it out. 
I used post-its for each character, color-coded and had them all up so I could visualize because it was like a big picture sort of thing. And it helped me keep everything straight and I could move, you know, chapters around or scenes around if I wanted to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the process that I took and I just went chronologically because that's the type of writer I am. I just went straight through the book and, um, but I kind of knew where it was going the whole time. So that was, that was nice. Okay. So you have spoken a little love language to me because <laughs> paper and the fact that you have multicolored yeah. post-its going on and to, to, because what that's telling me is that's understanding, not just, I'm going to call it the a straight shot, the linear shot of start the book, finish the book. But what it's also doing is showing the arcing of all the characters because Mm -hmm. some little post-its are showing up in some places and you're showing where they intersect, where they're alone, how they're intersecting. So my mind has this beautiful little picture of all of these (laughs) post-its. Yes, I know. And it was, it was, the color coded was huge for me because then I could see, was there a balance? Not that there has to be like a complete equal distribution of characters, but I wanted it to be relatively close. And so I could see, yeah, like, oh, I have too many of her here, too many of this one here. But, you know, in addition to that, I, I did, I, I draw like an arc on a piece of paper, the whole, you know, the curve, the character development and, you know, plotted those out and then kind of lined them up to see like, are they meshing well? And, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it's, if you're a plotter, then these are the types of things that you like. If you're a pantser, you're sitting here going, what, <laughs> like, what is she talking about? You know, just sit down and write but that's not how my brain works. I'm very much a planner. Uh, That's okay though, because to your point, everybody has a style that they, that once they figure out what that is, and it might be different for each book even. Yeah, totally. But but what I'm hearing you say also is understanding for you, like I see this arc, I know where I'm trying to take them and you're still allowing the characters to kind of, to bump up against it and each other to Mm -hmm. create their own, tension and conflict and such so that so that there's some there's some fluidity in between the pieces but it's still a I we're still on this path kids this is where we're yeah definitely I mean yes I love to like plot out the big moments the big plot points and that and you know to have a general sense but sure like if you're sitting down writing something could surprise you that that happened a few times where I was kind of like oh like I could go this way and like you know try it out and so I let myself be flexible and fluid in that sense but not to just like sit down with nothing planned out that would just like, that's way too much anxiety for me. <laughs> understood. Understood. Yeah. So, so we have it mapped. We've got this, we've got the beautiful stickies and beautiful colors and yes. we've got an idea. So when, when you got started for writing, did you pick one point of view and work it straight through and then go back and work the next all the way through and then bump them up against, or how, how did you get the writing to align with the visual to align with yeah. what was going on in your head? <laughs> I went pretty chronologically through the book, like through the plot points that I wanted. And there were times when I could have written a certain chapter or scene in more than one perspective. There were some where it was like, clearly this is character A's chapter because she's by herself or whatever. But when some of those characters were together, it's like, hmm, I could write it from this one or this one, which one would be better? And I had to kind of ask myself those questions. And I, there were a couple instances where I would test it out and I would write the scene from more than one perspective and see which one felt better right in that moment. Um, 
but most of the time I, I went chronologically through the book. So I would bounce in between heads a lot. And I, I don't know if that's like something that I would recommend. I mean, it worked for me, but uh, I don't know if other writers who do multi POV, if they do, like you said, one character the whole way through or not. Um, I, I could see how that would be easy, maybe not easier, but nice in a way that you're just staying with one character for an extended period of time instead of jumping around. But um, I don't know. I just felt like I had a pretty clear hold on on my characters that I, I could do that. Nice, nice. Okay, so then when you're doing that, to your point, having that clear hold and yeah. knowing, so you're in the one head though, did, how did you, like refine the nuances, meaning that, so you've written, you've written your chapter, you know, the head that you're in, but yet to give it more strength, you might need to include some others, but you're trying to honor the, no, no, I can't, I'm not third person. I'm first. So I know that is really tricky. And one thing that I got from um, some of my critique partners feedback on early drafts was making sure that the voices were distinct enough because I, all of the characters, not all, but the three main protagonists in my book are female. Um, and I feel like that's where I'm usually drawn to writing female perspectives. Uh, and the two mothers were, are basically the same age. So there wasn't a whole lot of like stuff to differentiate them because, you know, they're partners living together and they probably have a lot of commonalities. So their voices could sound very similar. And I had to make sure that they were distinct enough that the reader would, you know, not only that does the chapter say their name, but the reader could pick up on, okay, this is whose head I'm in right now. That was something that I did not struggle with, but it was a challenge that I had to kind of really go back several times through and, and make sure that I was adding some of those details. I was thinking that because to your point, just because they are the same age, their yeah. partners doesn't mean they're the same people that right. they were, they're going to present a united front when need be, but yet mm-hmm. they have their own interests, their own voice. They balance each other. They, they, they're going to bump up against each other, just like any friendship, any, any relationship, any, right. any relationship. So, right. I mean, I, I love that you have said that where you really honed in to kind of mm-hmm. get clear of each character so that she stood out and she so that when you're reading you feel her versus just I know the name and I know she's different than this one no you can feel the difference between them that's to your point the character development that I think is so important did dialogue help you to do that too dialogue did uh the one you know you can you can inference a lot through tone so whether someone's snarky or you know, do they use long sentences and big words or are they short and choppy? And so all of that kind of style of, of writing comes into play. So I, I try to use all of those sorts of things, but that is one of the tricky things about being writing in first person is that, you know, there's a blessing and a curse. You're so close. You get to know the characters so well, but then you're writing in their voice. So you, you know, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever catch yourself to say, wait a minute, I know I'm in this person, I'm in character A, but character B is over here going, yeah. uh, hello, I'm, this is, are you kidding? No, this is, we don't need to be doing this. Or when am I going to be talking about this? Because I'm now riled up and we're still yeah. on A. I know. Yes, I did have things like that. Or I had times where 
uh, you know, I would write something and then I would be like, wait a minute, that's completely what the other person would say, you know? So it was kind of like, I had to flip flops and stuff or remi- remind myself like, which, which woman I'm talking, you know, talking through right now. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with the name of the book? The title? So it's called best years of your life. And it's sort of a play on a couple things. One the whole idea of like college in your college years, because a lot of people say like college is the best time of your life, right? Best years of your life in college. So, and because the book's set on a college campus and it has that whole academic setting and the two moms are professors, all of that. So I, I really wanted to tie it into that. Um, plus in my background as a college you know, instructor, I sort of had that interest uh, to tie that in. But then the secondary kind of plot line is, uh, a character dealing with early onset Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and struggling with her identity and, you know, who, what does this mean for her as this strong, independent woman, if she's losing her mind and those sorts of things. And because she's so young, it's, it takes the title and puts almost like a satirical spin on it. So, you know, you're saying like, these are the best years of my life, but I'm losing them. You know, so I I could really pull the title in it from a lot of different ways. And once, and it was hard. Titles are so hard to come up with. (laughs) And for me, I think they're like super, super hard because for so many reasons, they have to match the genre. They have to match the book. They have to tie in, you know, all of those things. But when, when this came to me, I was like, ah, I got like chills. Like that is totally the title. Yes. I know what you mean. Like when that title, when it just hits and there's just something that, that deep knowing inside, or you mm-hmm. just feel it and you're like, oh, the, yeah. it almost feels like the little, yeah, I had like a running list of, mm-hmm. you know, alternatives and I was toying back and forth or this or that. And I asked a few people's opinions and, and we all sort of agreed, like this was definitely it. And now when I look back at that list, I am like, I can't even imagine if I would have used that, you know, that title instead. But I love the fact that you mentioned that you created a list because sometimes mm-hmm. when it's not clear yet what you want it to be, you, you know, as something hits you, you're writing it down, something hits you, you're writing it down or capturing it somewhere so that you, you don't lose it because oh, totally. it'll come through in some other way as it needs to, yeah. it'll show up in the book somehow, but, but you want to keep track of it because then you also know this isn't feeling, or I'm not feeling this or what have you, or as, as you go further and you're like, I know I wrote that down line through that, but this is speaking to me. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, I maybe not a lot, but I've talked to authors who have the title already in their heads or picked out before they start or while they're writing. And for me, it's never like that. It's always, I have to finish the whole project first. Like my, my drafts on my computer are saved as like untitled or some random, just a character's name or something, because I can't formulate that title until it's done. No, but I I like that too, that you're also saying, as I'm interpreting this, you're giving yourself permission to go, I'm not going to let this part be in the way of what Mm -hmm. I need to do. So if I need to, as it hits me, it will come, but I need to keep writing on what this is. And that title will show up. Or if I need to give it a title just to so I can obviously keep various whips yeah. and straight. Yeah. Fantastic. But uh, it's okay that it changes. It's okay. Sure. That it, it's okay that it changes yeah. to your point about uh, Alzheimer's being as a, 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 an element within the book. Mm-hmm. That's really cool that you are touching on yet another piece that it's just, it's 
there's a college campus going on, there's familial relationships, but there's also that particular disease. And yes. I and the play off of it, to your point, I love that twist. That's really cool. How did you go about the research on something like that to help mm -hmm. make sure that it's authentic to the characters, but yet allow the creativity that you are creating because it is fiction and it's right. how, how right. did you blend that? Yep. So my only firsthand experience with Alzheimer's was my grandfather who passed away almost 10 years ago. And he was an old man. He did not have early onset, but I distinctly remember his last few years with his, you know, the dementia coming in and, you know, how he would act, things he would say, how it made me feel, our family, all of that. So I pulled a lot from that. Um, but then I spoke to people who work in that industry. I have a writer friend who has firsthand experience with her own mother um, and working with, you know, patients. I talked to, so I talked to people in the, in that field a little bit and just um, did a lot of reading on it. I did, you know, make sure my research was good for like my character's doctor's appointments and what the doctor would say and the, some of the tests and those sorts of things. But, um, but yeah, I, and I, then I also had people read those sections to make sure that they felt authentic, that they seemed realistic and logical, uh, because you're right, it is, it's my world that I'm creating and it's fiction, uh, but you also want it to not sound ridiculous. You want people to read it and it to say like, okay, I could picture this happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's really cool that you were able to draw on so many so many resources, including your own experience. So I, mm -hmm. I really understand that. I think that yeah. that's cool that you were able to, and, and, and how do you know that a fiction, you, to me, a fiction book, a fiction work has just as much power to bring solace, to bring comfort, to bring an escape, mm -hmm. just as much as nonfiction. You can learn about a topic in one facet, but then when you read it in fiction, sometimes it gives you permission to kind of just escape that or go into it and allow whatever feelings come up for you to come up because the character's feeling what right. you're feeling. Right. And the Alzheimer's was definitely a secondary plot line, storyline mm -hmm. through the book. It was not the primary. Sure. And so I... I wanted to give myself like the allowance to explore it, but not to present myself as some sort of expert, nor yeah. did I want to do, do the due diligence of time and research to really make like a full fledged, you know, that's the main storyline. So I felt like I was able to kind of accomplish what I was seeking, what I was going for. I love that point too, because I mean, going back to the post-its and the arcing and the sticky, uh -huh. I can see that kind of running a little along the bottom. If we have this pivot point of this doctor's appointment and how does that impact this next event? Or is this, this event that does this, you know, and, right. and those dynamics. So I can, I can visualize little lines, more stickies mm -hmm. as you, as you, as soon as you said that, that's what started to come to me. So I going yeah. back to the wall of sticky. I love that. so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. It was like I had it up for a while and my office, my little home office is one half of my children's playroom. So on the one side, we've got Legos and markers and all of that. And then I'm trying to like be in my little professional creative space over here. And in the middle was my big whiteboard with all my post-its. Um, and the kids knew like not to touch them, not to mess with them. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of fun. I love that little Legos. Mommy's, yep. mommy's post-its. Yep, <laughs> That's exactly. fantastic. 
but obviously this playroom is a room full of creativity yes who all, it really who, is. who all joined into the room so much creative energy here I love that Jen that is so awesome this has been absolutely phenomenal where can people connect with you where can they get your books so my books are all available online at your, you know, typical places that you shop. Um, but I do sell directly from my website as well. If you're looking for signed copies and I always like to promote indie bookstores. So if you go to bookshop.org, you can request them from your favorite indies in your towns, go in and, and, you know, booksellers can order them from Ingram. That's my distributor, but yeah, lots of different places. And you can find me mostly on Instagram. Um, that's where I'm most active at Jen Craven author. I am on Facebook and a little bit on TikTok. I'm trying to like baby step into there. Uh, but Instagram is definitely my number one place. And your website is? My website is www.jencraven.com. And you can find, yep, all the news, all the books, everything there. Awesome. Jen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.